sights to show you. Welcome to the 36th episode of the Sirens of Scream, the geek podcast that proves sometimes dead is better. I'm Melissa Megan, and I'm here with Jackie DeVore and Sierra Hauk. And tonight we're joined by a very special guest and my friend, Steve Say, who is a Talking Comics podcast host, as well as news editor and assistant to the editor-in-chief at JoeBlow.com. Good evening. (laughs) That was very spooky and wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) We have a big topic for you ahead tonight, but first we're going to jump right into recommendations because all of us have some cool, fun things to share tonight. And I'm going to throw it to Jackie first. Hi. Okay. So my first recommendation is kind of a strange one, and I know it's a little weird for me to be recommending this on a horror show, but it's Heidi Klum. Yes, the internationally renowned supermodel. Apparently, Heidi Klum is just completely obsessed with Halloween. And you really, if you happen to love Halloween and costumes and all this cool stuff, you should definitely be following her Instagram because this chick, oh my God, she throws these massive Halloween parties every year that is completely <laughs> star-studded and just has incredible incredible costumes from everybody that's there which she often shares on her social media pages but more specifically she is so into halloween that she does these huge elaborate costumes every year this year in particular she had this killer werewolf get up and it wasn't just any werewolf she was the michael jackson thriller werewolf And I mean, she has an entire team of makeup artists, costume designers, you know, prosthetics people just really making her look scary as all hell. And she posts in progress pictures of these costumes being built onto her. And then she actually pulled together a group of zombies and reenacted the thriller dance with special effects and everything (laughs) for it. And it's amazing. Guys, I want to be your friend and I, I don't. I don't know how I get invited to her to her party. Oh, but have I so wanna... much money. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people want to get invited to her party. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I love when she brought all the clones out, all the Heidi clones. Yeah, clones. imported from Germany. <laughs> yeah. She did one yeah. where she was brought out on a gurney, like a bunch of people in doctors' outfits brought her out on a gurney covered with a sheet, and they pulled the sheet back, and she was in a complete skin suit. Like unskinned Ooh. i mean like muscles like all you see is muscles all yeah. over her yep. and they rub something yeah. I hope she was slimy. yes she was that was about to say they rubbed something on her so that she was slimy and gooey <laughs> mm-hmm. she looked like Gross. something out of the bodies mm-hmm. exhibit that was going on in Ooh, new york for a while that that exhibit nice. was awesome um yeah, it was. well there you have it we've now officially recommended a supermodel <laughs> on sirens of scream <laughs> uh, the other thing I want to mention is that Jordan Peele is rebooting the Twilight Zone. Hell yeah! Nice. Which is incredibly cool. Steve, you wrote uh, something on that recently, right? What did What did you have to say about that? Yeah, no, it's um, just his um, his monkey paw banner that he used to uh, when he made Get Out is going to be, I guess, kind of spearheading the project. I'm not sure of how much involvement mm-hmm. he has. I'm sure he'll have plenty. But um, I think they're still playing with formatting and distribution and stuff like that. The fact of the matter is, is that Twilight Zone has tried to be rebooted. I think this is the fourth time that they've tried to make one. I think the last one was the Forrest Whitaker one that came out several years back. 
But the idea of Jordan Peele, especially kind of cutting his teeth on the Get Out mm-hmm. film that was just phenomenal, is definitely the most exciting thing they've had Twilight Zone in the time since they've tried to reboot it a couple of different times. I would love to see a couple of uh, kind of like anthology short form horror uh episodes and stuff coming from that camp i think it's going to be amazing well, and once I'm sure it gets that, up and going yeah i'm really excited I'm sure that his work on key and peel would help create you know the format for well I've making like sports, short short really? sketches and stuff seems like it would lend itself well to writing short horror and like how do you kind of tie stories together and like mm-hmm. keep things to the point so i think it'll be a good mix well i hope they still i hope they keep with like the half hour to mm-hmm. an hour long format like i want i don't i don't want like I don't want skits. I want whole episodes, kind of like the like like the old school like time at last and all those all those crazy things that they used mm-hmm. to have with the gremlin and everything. I would love like like I said, I don't know who they're gonna like who distribution's gonna be or anything like that. If it's gonna be a half hour show, is it gonna be an hour long show? It'll probably be an hour long considering all the things. So you figure like forty two minutes with commercials. And things like that. Apparently, it's with um, CBS, hmm. but it's something called CBS All, oh. All Access, which I assume is a oh, standalone it's the same, platform. Yeah, the same people that do um, Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. So you'll have to pay for it. Yep. Which is unfortunate. Hmm. But I still, I'm excited like to see Jordan Peele jump into the mm-hmm. horror world more because apparently he's amazing mm-hmm. at it. Who knew? <laughs> Absolutely. Steve, you've got a nice list of recommendations that you brought to us too. Uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll cover the the first about? two because I believe that one of them is going to come up later. But uh, yeah, super quick. You could both you could find both of these movies on Netflix streaming right now. First film I wanted to talk about it's called Little Evil, starring Adam Scott and Evangeline Lilly. It is very much the Omen reimagined. If the Omen, if a stepfather walked into a situation where his newly married wife gave birth at one point in her in her wild youth to the son of satan and all hell (laughs) is about to break loose and different cults are kind of after the kid and adam scott needs to learn to love him and nurture him and protect him because it's hard because the kid's trying to kill him it is one of those movies that is much better than it ever deserved to be. I'm a huge Adam Scott fan from uh, shows like Party Down and Parks and Parks and Rec and Krampus and other things that he's been a part oh, of. Oh yeah, he was in Krampus. And, yeah, he was. I that movie that. was good too. Yeah, was good. The movie was like eh, for about 20 minutes, and then it got really, yeah, really good. It was unexpectedly good. Yes, that's the same. That's the same exact thing with Little Evil, where we wa- my wife and I watched it on a whim. We're like, ah, it's got Adam Scott in it. Let's check it out. Okay, and we were just from beginning to end. We thought it was great. And the other movie, same same thing. You know, you underestimate it. It comes out, and you're like, ah, I don't know. But the babysitter which is also on Netflix right now is just so ridiculously funny and bloody and good. And it's more or less about a kid who is meant to go to bed one night while he's being babysat by his kind of like the young love of his life. He's infatuated with his hot babysitter. Unfortunately, she is part of a cult who performs ritualistic sacrifices in order to grant wishes for themselves to stay young, to stay popular, to get new cars, to do whatever. And he stays up past his bedtime and witnesses the sacrifice 
they find out that he saw everything that went down and then it turns into kind of a horror version of home alone where he is having to um you know run all around his property and neighborhood while setting traps and trying to escape this group of uh you know millennials that are are trying to kill him and cover up their tracks it has a lot of it's a lot of really really funny not specifically scary but bloody and good and entertaining and lots mm -hmm. of uh lots of limbs being severed people being blown up or burned and things like that it has a surprising amount of heart to it which was not something that i ever expected from this movie but there's something particularly at the end that i will not spoil conversation that melted my heart and i was just like oh my god was this movie doing to me and then there was more blood and guts and gore and i was like oh okay but uh <laughs> yeah the babysitter and Little Evil, both both really really good movies. I know October's over, but there's you know never enough time for That's horror right. movies or horror esque yeah, movies. October never Definitely ends check here. them out. Like we're always in October. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're better. It's Halloween year round in this yeah. house. <laughs> there's there are two two movies that are better than you'd think they are. Yeah. So go and check them out. We mm -hmm. love movies on Big Netflix time. too because it's always fun to recommend things to people that they can find. Yeah, that you can just yep. flip on when you're bored. Sierra, what you got for us tonight? You got some Instagram. I am going to ruin everybody's lives. <laughs> Before you jump into this, I just have one thing to say, Sierra. What the hell? This is Tusk all over again. You're <laughs> 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 tusking us. <laughs> um, so I found this Instagram last night while I was like, getting ready to go to sleep and then i spent an hour on it before i fell asleep and it ruined my life that's not what you should be looking at before you go to bed <laughs> <laughs> it's cursed underscore images is their instagram handle and it's just cursed cursed images and it's a it's a good balance of things that are pretty funny and just weird and then like maybe every fifth image or so is something that truly just ruins your life <laughs> yeah and you can't unsee it, but then you can't look away. And so you keep scrolling and then there's like a funny dog picture. And so you're like, okay, I'm okay. I can keep going. And then just another thing like hits you in the head and it's terrible. <laughs> and you're like, what is wrong with humanity? Uh, and who are the people who took these images? Who are the people and, in the like, images? <laughs> I know they truly are cursed. And now I am cursed, and I want all of you to be cursed as well. It's interesting because some of it is disturbing on like a, okay, that's a really creepy thing that I never want to see, you know, ever again. And some of them are disturbing in a way that it's just like an image that's somehow really mm -hmm. uncomfortable, but it's not anything yeah. totally out of yeah. the norm. Yeah. You know, like it's just things are arranged in a certain way or there's a certain yeah. texture that's just disgusting and like you don't want to see it. Like these SpaghettiOs that are like piled up in a weird, perfect circle. Or the face drawn <laughs> on the bottom of a foot. like, Or the feet like holding toes to each other. All the toes yeah. like holding up. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. It's just bleh. Bleh. <laughs> Sierra has yeah. cursed us. With it's my new images. favorite thing. <laughs> so thank you for that, Sierra. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Oh. oh. I just have one quick recommendation for you guys tonight. I want to talk about a video game. I just finished playing Extra Life Charity Marathon, which is 24 hours of gaming to raise money for children's hospitals. And I played a whole bunch of games this weekend. 
but I played one in particular that I thought everybody that listens here would enjoy. It's called Fran Bow, and this was recently on sale on Steam for their Halloween sale, so I grabbed it. It's from 2015. It's by a developer called Kill Monday, which I've never heard of before now. It's a point-and-click adventure game about a young girl who struggles with a mental issue, a mental disorder of some kind. So she, right at the beginning of the game, she basically witnesses the gruesome murder of her parents. Yeesh. And it's gruesome. Um, and it's and it's very, the, the animation for it is very cutesy, kind of like cartoony feeling so it's it's shocking when it suddenly jumps into parent murder right off the bat just ripping that band-aid but, right off there yeah right it's just <laughs> here's a cute girl and her cat and now her parents are dead and pulled apart on the floor and it's like oh okay so what happens is after she discovers her parents she rushes into the woods with her her only friend mr midnight her little black cat and oh, in the mr. forest midnight she, <laughs> yeah, she takes him with her and he's her little buddy and he talks to her. And in the forest, she kind of goes into shock over the loss of her parents. And when she wakes up, she's at an asylum. And it's this horrible place that's for children, like Mental Institute for Children. And and that's this is the point where you start like actually playing the game and you start kind of interacting with her doctor. There's discussion over how they've tried all kinds of medications and all of them give her really bad side effects. And most of those side effects appear to be like crazy hallucinations and the rest of the game is you basically Fran decides she needs to get out of this hospital. She needs to find Mr. Midnight who's lost in the woods somewhere and make her way back to her only remaining family member, which is her aunt Claire. And you have to start kind of digging around in drawers and finding objects and trying to figure out how you can pick locks and things like that. But while you're doing this, Fran can take pills and that throw her into some other kind of world, which is kind of like the horror that's happening in her head. And it is fucking horrible. It is horrible. Like there's there's a moment where you're inside of a TV room in this asylum with kids watching TV. And there's one little girl who's like sleeping on the chair peacefully. And you make your way around the room and you kind of click on everything to see what she says about it. And then you take a pill and then all of a sudden there's some kind of black demon that's like laying over the top of the girl in the that's chair and kind of stroking her that's head. That's not what you want. No. And like the kid in front of the TV, like his head falls off and like all kinds of weird <laughs> stuff just happens. And it's it's really fun though because there's things that you can, mm-hmm. you find objects in both sides of the world. So like you have to kind of jump back and forth even though it's terrifying because you can't do everything in one side. So you have to like let Fran kind of go in and out of her weird insane hallucinations in order to get where she needs to go okay so but anyway it's so really is the now the dark side of her like the inside of her mind part the dark side of the world there is that still the cutesy animation um it is the it is the same kind of animation it's just like it's just like murder and blood and weird ghosty demons yeah the the style of the animation doesn't change and the style of the animation is really nice like <laughs> it's very detailed and soft it almost looks hand-drawn i believe this Dang. entire game was actually funded on an indiegogo campaign too. So it was pretty low budget, but it's the artwork is really nice on it. And, you know, there's no dialogue, everything, all the conversations click through, which gets a little bit tiring over time. Just click, 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 click <laughs> to see all these conversations. But it's totally worth it. And I think that where this game is going is it's leading you kind of from the beginning all the way through the entire cycle of going through a mental disorder of, you know, doing different medications, different things happening that put you in a different state of mind moments of kind of clarity and happiness that are abruptly falling come apart when something happens 
and her and Fran kind of grasping onto this need to find Mr. Midnight throughout the entire game. Like Mr. Aww. Midnight is like her safe, her safe place. And she just keeps asking everybody, Aww. where's my cat? Where's my cat? I just need Mr. Midnight. So yeah, it's, it's sad and it's horrible. And it's also like a super cute game that you have to play, especially if you like creepy kid things mm. and it, it's bloody <laughs> it's bloody and gory <laughs> it's bloody and gory I think she walks up to a kid at one point and tries to like speak to him and his head just, like, just rolls off <laughs> like okay I guess he's not gonna talk to me <laughs> yeah it's all kinds of weird shit anyway it's a great game and that's what I wanted to recommend very cool let's check that out Season two is now out there in the right side up, and you all know how much in love we are with that show. So we need to talk about it again. It's time to talk about it again. It is. <laughs> I think when we first started this podcast last year, we talked about Stranger Things for like the first three episodes. We couldn't stop talking about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. We also yeah, thought but it never would be like fun. diving into it. Yeah, we just kept saying, yeah. "Oh, it's so good." <laughs> And I think somebody even messaged us. We're like, yeah, we really know that you like Stranger Things. <laughs> um, we also thought it would be fun to address the super popular trend of 80s nostalgia that Stranger Things is definitely a big part of. I think while nostalgia in general is something that we all enjoy from time to time, the 80s are coming back hard in many realms, including TV, fashion, which I do love my leg warmers, and I'm not giving them up, film and gaming. Fair warning, there will be spoilers discussed here on out about Stranger Things in particular, so if you haven't gotten caught up yet, go do that first, then come back immediately and listen to our show. We're going to spoil things. Lots of them. Real bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, everybody, I think all of us have now officially finished season yep. two, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So what are our general feelings as to how season two holds up to the first Bigger, badder, better than ever. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good summary, Sierra. Thank you. It even has alliteration in there, so. (laughs) Steve, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, much of of what she said, it feels, to me, it doesn't necessarily, I mean, obviously it's a series, but it doesn't particularly feel like a seasonal series to me it does feel more like Mm. a sequel to a to a very large film kind of like if Mm -hmm, you watched mm -hmm. a mini series a la it from back in the 80s Mm. yeah i mean they really do they go they go bigger i thought it was better 
than the first season. I don't really always like to use that word, but the more that I've, I've been watching the beyond stranger things, kind of like the aftermath interviews yeah. on mm-hmm. Netflix over the past couple nights. If you haven't checked those out, I highly recommend them. There's a lot of cool insight into the making of the show and, and some of the creative choices and stuff like that. And the like dynamics that. between the team too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that too. Yeah, there's been some weird stuff that's that's come out through those interviews that I don't know if we'll necessarily talk about tonight. But it's strange. It's for me, it's weird to watch something and and enjoy it completely. When season two came out, my wife and I sat down and we just kind of barricaded ourselves in our basement. We're like, we're just gonna do this. We're we're gonna <laughs> cream through the whole thing. I think in like two sittings, we watched the the whole all nine episodes. Mm-hmm. She was actually, she was just recovering from a concussion when uh, the first season had come out. So we watched the first season in fits and starts. Like we'd watch an episode for 15 minutes and then we'd have to take a five minute break. We'd watch it for another 20 minutes and then we'd have to wait a half hour for her to kind of recover and be ready to, to watch it again and stuff like that. So it was a very jagged viewing experience. So for us personally to go through the second season on a binge like that, was really, really satisfying and really engrossing. I loved a lot of the new characters that were introduced. I feel like they added a lot of depth to the old characters. Mm-hmm. You know how I feel about some of the Eleven stuff. I think it was a logical choice to kind of take her out of the fray for the vast majority of the season. We're going to talk more about that. Yeah, if I do sure. have to confess something, I think that may be the... The 11-centric episode that happened toward the middle of the season was maybe mm-hmm. the weakest of the episodes for me personally. Uh, I just didn't particularly like the group or the yeah. kind of the lessons to be learned. I think mm-hmm. there were other ways uh, that they could have gone about that. But I'm not going to talk about a show that could have been. I'd rather talk about the show that was. One thing in particular, we are talking spoilers here, right? Yep. Do it. Okay. One thing that I absolutely loved about the season was Bob. I loved Sean Austin's Bob character. Bob was the best. Bob is okay. so sweet. First of all, oh, he's the two hero things. we don't hashtag deserve. Hashtag justice for Bob oh. and hashtag justice for Muse what? are my two things <laughs> from this season. But seriously, like, I, I love Bob not only for his giddiness and, and kind of, you know, obviously Sean Austin's history in uh, 80s culture and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. And like, I hope it doesn't <laughs> suck and all the funny lines, easy peasy and all those things. But, you know, we're at this point, we're so, at least I am, I'm so cynical and I'm so guarded and entertainment and television has taught me throughout many years of watching things to never trust anyone. Like anybody new that comes in the picture, Mm -hmm. anybody that's too nice it's too you good to be Bob true, was, was mm-hmm. right? He's up to something. Yeah. Like he's snuggling up to Joyce for a reason because he's watching Will and he's going to report back to the upside down and they've managed he's to... He's a Demogorgon in a suit. <laughs> right? Like the, the, the slug that Will spit up. We're going to find out that it like crept under, you know, under his toilet and went up his butt it and now it's like, now it's Bob and he's watching because like he's talking in the car with him and he's like, you know, oh, what uh-huh. I do and blah, 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 how you been feeling lately? And I'm like, oh man. He was a little too enthusiastic to take Will to school right yeah. yeah he was creepy <laughs> yeah. like he was creepy i had the same suspicion <laughs> and they totally framed him that way but then obviously by the time that bob's story comes to an end you find out that the person that was kind of the asshole all along was you the viewer because you were skeptical of him mm-hmm. up until the moment where he got gored like 
Yeah. There was not, there was never a point where I was like, oh man, something's going to happen. He's going to like, he's going to go to the building and he's going to like, all of a sudden he's going to grab at his neck and the, the skin mask is going to come off and the Demogorgon lips are going to fly <laughs> out and he's going to eat Paul Reiser and the whole bit. And no, like he, he gets what, what he gets. And it's just, I was like, wow, I really have to take a step back and stop judging characters at, you know, for thinking that they, they have nefarious means and they really don't. You didn't believe in Bob's magic, did you? I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. Him, I just, it was, I don't know. But I, I really, I really, really dug what they did with his character. I liked the kind of the mystery of going back into Barb's murder and looking for a way to um, give her parents peace and uh, kind of the, mm-hmm. the the planning that it took to, to make that happen. Some of the choices that were made to capture people and explain to them, present the situation to them and then let them go. I thought wasn't wasn't interesting. It's just it was a season that took a couple of turns that uh, surprised me and, and mm-hmm. changed the way that I thought about the series. Really loved the character chemistry. I thought that Max was a fantastic addition to the show. I even liked Billy as much of an asshole as he was. The actor that portrays him oh. in the show is the same dude from the new Power Rangers movie. Yeah, he was the he was the Red yeah. Ranger. I knew I recognized him and I had to look him up. I was like, how do I know that face? He's one of the nicest guys on the face of the earth. Like, you listen, he's so polite and he's so just like you want to hug him and squeeze his cheeks and all these things. (laughs) Not his butt cheeks, but like his facial cheeks. You can worry about the jeans and the things. Oh my God. He's got pretty nice butt cheeks, though. Uh, He does. And the hair, the Dave Mustaine hair and all of that stuff. The first thing they said about him, right? It was his butt. Like, flexing and then doing his, his power yeah. lifts while smoking a cigarette and he's all badass in his car and everything <laughs> but um yeah i mean i i really love it i i grew up i was born in 1981 so while like most of my most of my remembering things kind of starts around the early early 90s like 91 and things like that like i was looking up horror video games before we were recording and i came across decap attack for the genesis and i was like oh i'm gonna talk about that and then, of course it was 1991 but uh <laughs> I mean, Ghostbusters, E.T., there's oh, a... Let's not get let's not get into that too far yet. Well, one more thing and then I'll shut up. Uh, <laughs> there's a difference between... My favorite thing about Stranger Things is this. There's a difference between paying homage to something and ripping it off and paying homage to something and presenting something mm-hmm. new and fun with it. Yeah. And I think that the Duffer Brothers and that team that puts together that show has found a really sweet spot in that formula of taking something that's familiar to you, but doing enough new with it that that it feels refreshing as opposed to over-familiar. Which is really interesting considering it's not familiar to them because they didn't actually live through the 80s. (laughs) Yep. Jackie, how did you feel uh, the second season paired up? Well, I don't know if I can add to what Steve just said there. (laughs) That was a lot to take in. (laughs) No, you're good. Sorry. And give us a thorough season review. <laughs> I did enjoy it. I thought it, it was a lot more sinister and a lot more twists and turns happen. And I will absolutely agree with Steve's assessment of Bob here. Mm-hmm. Like I was super, super suspicious of that guy. And then suddenly he gets attacked and, and it's like, wait, what are these feelings I have? It's like I... I, he was too pure for this world. <laughs> and you're like, I didn't know what I have until it's gone. <laughs> yeah. uh, the one, oh, 
Well, the couple things that I, I didn't really enjoy about it was, for one, that Eleven centric episode. I, I, I agree with Steve there. I, I felt mm-hmm. like that was just not well handled. And I actually didn't like the snowball dance at the end. And I, I know that's probably going to be an unpopular opinion there. Really? But yeah, it just felt too, too cutesy. It felt too, too nice. Because you have no soul, Jackie. Yeah, that's probably it. Honestly, I am a robot. <laughs> it was so 80s, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like what kind of school has know, that budget for that kind school. of dance? Yeah, that was a big dance. <laughs> in small town indiana or wherever they are every time that i see a school dance on film i'm like oh come on <laughs> nobody no school has the budget for that no wonder you had to get rid of your arts department <laughs> who made all this shit arts you got rid of the arts department <laughs> yeah <laughs> we have nothing to do now <laughs> i think um I I felt like when it first ended, I think that like not having these characters be fresh anymore, I almost felt like I lost a little bit of excitement through that just because, you know, the first one, it was so exciting to have something so new and different and unique. Mm -hmm. And it was so cool to have like a whole cast of really good kid actors doing this amazing thing together. Like, how did they find all of those kids? It was. It was very kind of lightning in a bottle the first season. I liked the second season a lot, and what I realized is I just like it for different reasons than I like the first one. You know, and I kind of had to, like, think that out for a bit. Like, it wasn't the excitement of the characters so much anymore, the excitement of the things that Eleven can do or the cool, you know, monsters that were coming in. Um, it was more about the relationships this mm-hmm. time around. Yeah. And, which I think is really smart on their part, because it's like, there's only so long you can stretch out the same creature, right? to get people excited about it. But now we're already yeah. invested in these characters because we went through it in the first season and everybody was really fired out about how much they love all these characters. And so now in the second season, we have to watch those characters go through a lot of torment. Whether it's like Will, who I felt so bad for, like leave this fucking kid alone. Can't they pick on another kid Speaking for once? Speaking of somebody who needs I a vacation, so for poor that kid. Will. Oh Seriously. my God. Yeah. His whole family, his whole family, his mother, there's no way she's coming out of this without post-traumatic stress disorder. Like, she's going to be a lunatic when this is over. Because she wasn't <laughs> before. She was the picture of sanity before, boy. right? No. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, she was already hanging Christmas lights on the walls and talking to her kid through the lights, you know? <laughs> but her and, you know, the whole, like, so many of the relationships changed in this, in the second season, which I thought was really cool. They gave us, they took the same people and they, the same creatures and the same battle essentially and gave us like a whole new way to care about these people. Even introducing the new, like introducing Billy was just another way of introducing a new bad guy because now we kind of, yeah, because now Mm -hmm. like now we don't really hate Steve anymore. (laughs) So like, yeah, who's going to be the jerk now? (laughs) I think my favorite part Mm -hmm. of the season was maybe Steve's transformation into just being like the perfect babysitter (laughs) when they introduced max i have to tell you guys like i'm sitting there watching it and and we're sitting there watching it and you know i i hashtag my son mad max megan on on social media whenever i Mm -hmm. tag him and i'm sitting there watching it i'm like wait a minute that's the girl like the girl's the one beating them all in the video games it's her like and then they tell and then they say her name her name is mad max megan like oh oh shit, it's this little chick was named Max. And she's like, oh my God, I love this character so much. <laughs> I was like jumping out of my seat. I was just so excited to see such a cool character created. I, I think that the show, they just did such a cool job of like giving us something different and unique to love. And it's so smart because now everybody's 
still excited about the show for all different reasons. You know, I think it sets the bar pretty high mm-hmm. for the next season. I don't know what the hell they're going to do next time, but. <laughs> I do. Do you want to know? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Jackie said no. No, go ahead. Plug your ears, Jackie. <laughs> All right, go ahead. <laughs> it's not a it's not a super spoiler, but they are going to kind of push things along forward that the third season is going to take place possibly a few years after the events of season two. Oh. Okay. Well, I can't go too so, far because then we'll be out of the eighties. Unless they're going to take us in in the nineties. Uh, right? yeah, but they they they've been talking from the beginning. I think it's supposed to be five seasons long by the time it's yeah. over, Dang. and um, they want it they want it to span several decades. It's not they don't they never planned for it to stay in the eighties. Well, the they entire better time. change that intro. That then. seems very. <laughs> that yeah. intro doesn't that work seems in the very 1990s. Stephen King. It seems very Stephen yes. King themed to go from kids the kind of childhood group and then how they evolve it to adults mm-hmm. and then they're probably going to be Very called back so, together yeah. again yeah. with yep. with the connector of 11. Well, I mean, they can't go too far, right? Because the kids, I mean, granted, kids, like the ages actors. that they're at, they're going to shoot up between now and the next year and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but they're not going to be doing it by that much. Like you can't, you can't have them 20, 30 years from now, unless you're going to recast mm-hmm. the kids and then you're dealing with a whole other bag of tricks as far as like the audience goes that there will be uproar for that. So it sounds like we all weren't yeah. totally thrilled about the Eleven centric episode where she's out adventuring in the world. I have to say, I'm I- not mm-hmm. totally sure. Sorry to speak over no, you. No. I I felt like I kept feeling like that episode the the dialogue felt totally different from the rest of the episode. Uh-huh. Like the way that they were delivering lines seemed very forced. And very like I thought the whole thing I'm a felt very different kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, it was like that was that was the part that took me out of it. It it was although there was something about the way that like the punks were kind of set up that also reminded me of like cheesy eighties punks. So I don't know if that's what mm-hmm. they were reaching yeah. for. Kind of like when Star Trek when they go on the it's- bus in in modern day and they have the like cheesy punk rockers on the bus. It you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they're always like way over the top. Yeah. yeah. They said um, the gang was actually uh, influenced heavily by the Warriors, the yeah. the eighties movie, the Warriors. Oh, I didn't get that at all. Oh, I can so, see that now. Um, well, no, I didn't. I didn't get that either. I mean, my my qualms with that is, I just and this might be sacrilege, but I I don't find Eleven to be the most interesting of characters in the series. Maybe in season one she was, but certainly in season two, for me personally, she was not. I agree with you. Um, I really, really like her interactions with Hopper. Mm -hmm. I think that was my favorite stuff when they were living together. But yeah, there's something, and I mean, and this is no, this is not an affront to Millie Bobby Brown, but there's something about the 11 face and the, the, the stern discontent that she has this face that she wears that I'm just like, oh God, like it just dove. I just it, it, something in your like a move a muscle in your face, please. But like she's being rebellious and she's getting out. I understand you have cabin fever beyond belief and you gotta go and do your thing and you're searching for answers and stuff. But I just the the mystery behind her finding her mother and mama and papa and all that just stuff drives me nuts. I'm a mom and dad person, not a mama and papa or mother, father. I hate that shit. So I didn't find the whole thing with her finding out that she is baby Jane and discovering her mom and the whole repeating of the words 
and the thing i just i didn't feel like the revelation that came from that it was like okay yeah Mm -hmm. we we could have like yeah like we could have gleaned that without having this episode Mm -hmm. entirely for one and two in the end it it basically just confirmed what we assumed already and didn't add much to the lore or to the character because she just up and leaves so I just I didn't see what the point was to taking that detour and it took up a lot of Eleven's time once she left you know and it it just it was it it was just a weird I I enjoyed the entire season like I'm not going to be like oh this was garbage or anything like that I still I still enjoyed it but it just for me it kind of pumped the brakes on on things a little bit and I was much more interested in what was happening with the polywog or the fact that Steve was all of a sudden mm-hmm. like my favorite character in the show. Steve was the best. So yeah. between him and I Dustin. I mean, I was gonna, uh, my question was, so good. Steve kind of already went into this, but my question was if you guys felt the same way about the whole like finding her mother thing, if that was also a part of what didn't work in, you know, in, in that episode of her, if that was all about her or was it just when she was out kind of in the city trying to play with her powers and that sort of thing, I th- you know? I think it was both personally, the the whole mother thing yeah. and the finding her likeness person. Mm-hmm. But it just seems like Eleven's backstory wasn't strong enough this season to devote that much time to or to really carry that through with the same force that the rest of the season has. Do you think they were trying to kind of like mature her? Was that, were they trying to like move her to kind of tell us like, oh, she's grown and she's, you know, she's kind of a big girl now and she's going out into the city and she's making friends by herself. Was that some kind of attempt for, to get us to sort of like see her maturity? I don't think it was maturity growing so much as just trying to add more character depth because it seemed like she needed some somewhere in the season. Mm-hmm. So that's where they drew or from. Just, it felt lazy to me, honestly. Yeah, or, yeah, or just, just some, like, a very stretched out way of telling us that there's other kids like yeah. her out yeah, there. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Right. Like, why couldn't she just find the article in her mom's place? Mm-hmm. And know that there's and, other like, people. Yeah. <laughs> and then, or we they, we could have, like, cut to the other girl and showed us, like, a brief, like they mm-hmm. did, like, that brief kind of moment beginning. of, like, the girl right when they were in the van yeah. right so we i think we could all gather from that short scene with her who mm-hmm. she is and that she has powers yep. right and they've now separated them again so was that entire thing just a point to introduce that that other that other telekinetic power yeah. girl just so that you could say no. well they're not i think there was more yeah. to it than that I, I think it was a way of of testing who Eleven was at that point in her life. I mean, you have to remember how young she is and how kind of isolated and tortured she's been for so long. And she finally gets out. She makes genuine friends only to find herself Mm -hmm. quarantined in the cabin with Hopper for, Mm -hmm. you know, 300 and however, 58 days or whatever she was counting. And then finds somebody that's like family to her that she actually remembers from back in the day, from her early, early Mm -hmm. childhood. And then having that connection severed. She's a very, she's a very tortured character for, for as much as maybe some of the aspects of her character are a little like boring by comparison to the larger story. She, she is interesting. I just don't know that they're... (sighs) those bits are not as harrowing or or as or as well plotted out 
as as the other stuff going on. I think the other stuff is just so bombastic and so like it calls upon the nostalgia and it's drawing from all these influences and all of these things and everybody's so excited because as they're seeing a new story they're seeing old stuff too and it's like oh my god they're dressed like the <laughs> ghostbusters holy shit i used to play dig dug and oh my god you know all these things and all these throwbacks to the first season and then when you go with 11 it's it's new story but it's it's kind of rounding out a character that so far is not very interesting beyond her power set, which we've kind yeah. of established at this point. And to, to take her away from the initial group uh, for so long, I mean, granted, when they mm -hmm. got back together, it was very, very satisfying. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. She's a, she's I, a weird I, one. I enjoyed she's a weird watching one for, the relationships and watching her. Like, I enjoyed like seeing her meet her mom figure out who she is i enjoyed seeing her meet the other girl her sister and kind of realizing that her sister mm -hmm. had gone in a different direction that she did with her powers and that her sister hadn't been you know hadn't kind of had her growth stunted the way that she had i enjoyed all that i just wish it could have been compacted yeah. you know and not stretched out so far mm -hmm. the big thing that bothered me about that entire thing was her repeatedly doing that like home yeah home mm -hmm. every time somebody said home it was like yeah we get it she's looking for home she does she doesn't know where she belongs but mm -hmm. does she have, it's like et or something like does she have to keep saying that home <laughs> that that for me that was just like so yeah. simplistic for her you know i know that she's been she's been like closed up and everything but she's obviously a mm -hmm. really smart girl and she's very resourceful yeah and you know we don't Give need her, her to say home and that. cock her head every <laughs> in every single scene <laughs> yeah yeah, you can you can have all those things and then still admit <laughs> yeah. that a character has an irritating tick for sure. It's like Joyce, my boy, my boy, my boy. Yeah, yeah, Joyce. Yeah, we get it. We get it. We got it. We know. So, we know who I mean, he is. And I mean, when it comes down to it, Eleven does save the day again. Yeah. Yeah. You of know? course. Yeah, she's. So this is kind of a big of question that I wanted to ask, but I'm going to jump into it because I feel like it, I don't know. We can talk about the other stuff, but I really want to know what you guys think of this. So who's the real MVP of season two? That's my big question here. Like, obviously, well, you've got Steve and his pokey bat, right? And his fair faucet hairspray technique. You've got Bob with his puzzle, puzzle master brain powers and his like, I'm going to go down to the basement and fix mm -hmm. the power. Doom journey. That's what I named that. That's his doom journey. Yes. Nobody, you know, if you go down to the basement to fix good. the power, yep. you're dead. <laughs> or Levin, who basically just shows up in time to kick some giant Demogorgon gatekeeper's ass. <laughs> But she also, and she also like tosses the demodog around like he's no big deal. Mm -hmm. She just like throws him in the, against the wall, you know. What about Hopper? Yeah, Hopper was fantastic. Hopper's this fantastic. Season too. He just, you know, he kind of. I mean, he he kind of had to be rescued. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he got shit done. Like as far as somebody investigating, it's like in, in Hopper. We watched mm -hmm. uh, the first couple of episodes before. We didn't get to watch the entire season over again, but we watched the first few. Where he starts from, where he's so dismissive. And he's like, yeah, like he's hearing the locals, like, oh, whatever. And even after the thing that I couldn't wrap my head around in the beginning of season two, it's probably was fine. kind of that dismissiveness <laughs> coming back to the characters where weird <laughs> shit started going on again. And they're like, I wonder what it could mean. Like, mm -hmm. what do you, 
yeah, yeah, oh, it's fine, and oh, it's just a dream. Like, are you, you fucking kidding me? Did you not just go through all of this horrific yeah. crap not too mm-hmm. long, like almost like, a, not even a Dustin year ago? Yeah. And you're questioning as to why the crops for miles around? Come on, right. man. Like, it must be mm-hmm. thinking he found a new species. It must be some mm-hmm. new kind of kitten. Yeah. I'm just going to let it live in my house for a while. Yeah. He wanted to impress Max, though. Oh, my gosh. That thing was so obviously a yeah. dangerous alien. He's a science nerd, though. He wanted to make a discovery and impress Max. You knew it was bad news. Yeah. He really, when it yeah. started to, to shed its skin and grow legs and, and stuff, but, Sierra, you know. Who, who was your MVP? Um, I It's a toss-up between Steve and Bob. I'm, I'm glad, yeah. though, that Will got to have a little bit more agency this season, rather than just being in a hole all the entire time he actually got to kind of like be be kind of half there at least and like i thought his character was interesting one because it it was kind of like a possession kind of trope where he he was talking but it's not him talking like he was saying he likes it cold and and don't 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 mom you're hurting me but really like she had to kind of kill the the demon inside of him yeah i thought that was really fun will's so whole like my favorite kind of thing possession <laughs> thing like really drove home the horror aspects for me like that that mm-hmm. i felt was really awesome the whole uh him going through that entire experience and us actually seeing it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he still he still he got to like cry. use his talents to help the group by drawing the thing and um using the morse code and stuff to kind of like be a secret spy and send messages to the group um so i was glad that he he got to actually play a role this time yeah will doesn't get enough even though he's not like he's not like the hero hero but he's still like the one of the strongest characters i think I I think I would have to vote for Bob just because I feel like he was the most mm-hmm. resourceful of all of them. He was like, you know, they're like, oh, we just we put a whole bunch of papers all over the house. You know what this is? He's like, hell yeah, it's a map. I'm going to map out the entire <laughs> mm-hmm. county for you guys and, you know, figure out where to go. And then, you know, and then he figures out how to fix the computers and get the power up. And he figures and he out like so guy. many things and. He they was the guy who like started the AV off. club that brought all the boys together. Mm-hmm. Oh, my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was kind of his fault that Will got possessed, but yeah, you know, it's, he, he just gave bad advice, but he didn't mean to. <laughs> Did anybody else know in that scene, though, like as they were speaking, I had this lead in my heart of like, Oh god, mm-hmm. this is really bad. Like this is gonna go so bad. <laughs> Did you see that story that was going around that people were actually trying to connect Stranger Things to it in uh the conversation that he was having with Will in the car about the mm. clown? People were saying huh. that there was a possibility that he was one of the kids that escaped Derry. I don't know about that. Well I don't think <laughs> yeah, I don't think seems- that's the case. I think it's a bunch of shit, but like it was mm-hmm. a it's reaching. I, I don't I think. think it is either, but it is a common thing for Stephen King to put to plug it in all in all. Oh, of sure, works, but you know? this is this is as much as it is influenced yeah. by Stephen King. It's not Stephen King, right, so right. like to for for him to be from Derry and moved from Derry and tortured by Pennywise when he was, I was like, yeah, you you guys yeah. really, like, you it's a <laughs> slow news day, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes fan theories are fun, but that one was a little bit much for me. 
Did did Plus, were you I really guys loved it. were you guys hope were were you guys one of those people that were hoping that Barb was going to come back? Not to really. Realize? I know there was nope. some kind of weird. Like, I I never really got the Barb her. thing as much. I thought Barb was kind of cool, but no, I knew that I she wasn't going to come back because I had heard the yeah. Duffer Brothers uh, react to her popularity and mention that she gets justice mm-hmm. after in the second season. So I guess I was a little spoiled, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, she got a funeral finally. So so an article complaining about, oh, what was in the coffin? What was in the coffin? Like, yeah. People- very coffins that are empty. Sometimes yeah. it's about closure, not about yeah. bodies. Ask them what their the <laughs> ask them what their obsession <laughs> with dead bodies is. Damn. I also have a question about Billy. I have a big question about Billy. What's that? What was his problem with Lucas? Right. Like, do you guys think that was a race I, thing? Mm-hmm. I think it was racism. Yeah. He's racist. I think. I think it is. I think it's that his father is such a huge piece of shit that like controls out every part of his life that I'm sure he just learned it from his dad. So wait, while we're on that subject, and, like, like did that any of you, you like start to feel you? for Billy when we saw uh his dad lash out at him like that? Yeah. I felt a little bad and then I was like, you still don't need to be that shitty to Max all the time though. <laughs> like Yeah, yeah. That's I, how Billy, I felt I'm like I did. Billy's the one that I kept thinking was gonna be like possessed by mm, something. Interesting. Because it's like this dude is this dude is unnaturally angry. And aggressive toward a little girl and like there's i kept thinking that he was going to be like under some kind of spell or you know possessed or something weird was going to come up with him but they never really explained why billy's got no mm-hmm. chill <laughs> he mostly just annoyed the hell out of me mm-hmm. like there's always that well there's often that uh character that is just a thorn in the side just to be a fucking thorn in the side and doesn't really contribute that much to the storyline like, and he abusive, was that for me you know yeah like he yeah. manhandled her. Yeah, he was. I am very much a villain person. I I prefer villains as opposed to heroes. I just I find them infinitely more interesting. And as much as Billy was insufferable in many ways, I think about the the conversation, the confrontation that he had with his father in that one scene that when you think about it, and they <laughs> mentioned this in the the Beyond Stranger Things interviews and stuff like that too, that uh if you imagine if you put yourself in, in, in his greasy shoes for, for just a, an evening and, you know, we got a glimpse of just one conversation, one abusive moment where mm-hmm. his father came after him and pushes him up against the bookcase and, you know, punches him in the face and, and tells him what is and does it in front of um, the girlfriend or, or the stepmom or whatever the situation is. That is his life. That's what he knows. And, you know, somehow Max, he blames her for the split and him having to move there and everything like that. That if that's only one conversation and this is a daily occurrence of things that happens that happen to him constantly, it doesn't excuse his behavior, but it certainly lends to Mm -hmm. understanding of why he is that way. But it was pretty cool also to see like Max kind of, she goes after him at the end. She drugs him and she Mm -hmm. brings the nailing bat, you know, almost down on his junk and stuff that once he realizes that there's a threat that's larger than him, he backs off. He does it with the father and now he does it with Max (laughs) as well. There's like one final scene with the two of them where she kind of looks at him across the room and she's like, you better not fucking say anything. And he just like, he Mm -hmm. cowers and walks away um, I would be very curious to see if he returns 
for season three or if they do something where he's moved away and he was just he was the human antagonist yeah. for this right. season one and done kind of thing um i think that if they turned him it would be too much of a steve situation and it would become redundant so they'd have to figure out a, to a way to write around that but as far as like a human antagonist goes as mm -hmm. like a good foil to the the more like supernatural stuff going on I mean, yeah, he did a really any good actor job that. that I know is a super nice guy that could make me loathe See, them, I, as much as I loathe the character, I admire their ability to I make me too, hate but them. but I used to drive that same Camaro, so every time I saw Steve driving, yeah. I was like, yeah, that's my car! <laughs> <laughs> did you drive that fast? I'm not going to Did you pull out of that. driveways at like 80 miles an hour? Oh, <laughs> <gasps> Melissa. See, I, I have to disagree with you there, uh, Steve. What? Like, I... I actually, yeah, you heard okay. me. Um, <laughs> I felt that uh, that moment in Billy uh, when he confronts his dad. Yeah, that's clearly, or his dad confronts him, I guess. Uh, that's clearly his everyday life. And that does give you an insight into why he is that way. But he is also a grown ass man and can see that <laughs> he doesn't like his dad treating him that oh, way. Sure. I don't think that he blamed Max for his situation. I think he saw her as prey. <laughs> And that's that's just what predators do. Not to get too real here, but I grew up in a, in a situation very similar to Billy. And you can still dissociate being mm -hmm. a, an actual human being and being in that kind of situation. Mm -hmm. So I have zero feels for Billy and he should get his bullshit together, honestly. Get your shit together, Billy. <laughs> so I think this is a good time to talk about the happy relationships on the show. Because mm -hmm. Billy just made me feel gross inside. So... <laughs> There's like, so we have Hopper and Eleven, which I think had the most heartwarming, loving kind of thing going on. And I loved watching them kind of struggle through the average like parent teenager, mm -hmm. you know, growth relationship that she doesn't know is normal, but that's totally normal. <laughs> um, and then we had, um, let's see, who else do we have in there? We had Nancy and Jonathan. Nancy and Jonathan, which was really sweet. Ugh. Um, and I do not ship them at all. Agreed. Screw but, that. Right, but it was still it was still one of the more positive relationships of the show, right? Um, I guess. We we have <laughs> to talk about. You want to be technical about it? Bob yeah. and Joyce, which is really sweet because you know she's a mess, and like he was completely Accepting, you know uncompromisingly yeah. in love. Mm-hmm. And accepting of her and her crazy family mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. I mean, her, her kid's like a possessed mm -hmm. by aliens. And he's like, yeah, it's okay. I'm sticking around. It was absolutely adorable, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all of these really heartwarming relationships, Um, not to mention mm -hmm. Max and um, Lucas. Mm -hmm. That was yeah. really sweet. And yeah. let's not forget about Steve and Dustin. What yeah. about uh, that was my favorite. Hopper and Joyce? Mm -hmm. A little bit of that going yeah, on, Yeah, friendship, too. I think. Yeah. yeah, I guess they did have... Oh, yeah. they totally, they're like totally going to end up together. I don't know if I want them already, to end but... up together. Maybe it's just too soon after Bob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Justice for Bob. Mm -hmm. we, we need a I little need time. time. To heal. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I was really happy to see, the, like, I think the whole thing with uh, Steve and mm -hmm. Dustin was one of my favorites, just because mm -hmm. you kind of watch Dustin, like, go through heartbreak, too, over Max and, like, and over, you know, Dart, who he finds out yeah. wants to eat him, and you know, right. he has all this heartbreak, but then he has this lovely relationship with Steve, the cool guy that develops, and you can tell that that mm -hmm. makes him feel really pumped up. 
He feels like a big guy. I'm one of the cool kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I feel bad because Dustin always like he's he's got such he's got such a charming confidence about himself. And people are always kind of like picking on him and cutting him down. But the, the relationship yeah. with Hopper and uh, and Eleven was was really like pulled at my heartstrings, too. Like I was really grateful that Hopper got a chance to apologize to her yeah. at the end of everything to be like. I shouldn't have lashed out and I shouldn't have lied to you. And they both admitted like that they were dumb. That moment when Hopper, like after he comes out of the hospital, watching Will go through all that stuff and Mm -hmm. watching Will come close to death. And he goes out and hides in the truck to call Mm -hmm. Levin and let her know that he's sorry. And like, you just, you can like, how many times have you seen parents or somebody go through that in a film like that, where they're reminded of how easily they can lose somebody that they love. And they just sort of go, Okay, you know what? I need to just let that person know how much I love them and like make sure mm-hmm. that, that 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 bond is strong right now. Yeah. Like he went back to eleven for comfort in that situation and that was so heartwarming. That was. I agree. What do you think, Steve? You're one of the most romantic sensitive guys I know. So you I know you had some feels in here. Who <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>, me? <laughs> what was your question? I'm sorry, I was I was tweeting to Edgar how Wright. Dare what's, you? What's going on? <laughs> Sorry, I have I have like like a chorus of shit going on in my house right now. My PS4 has <laughs> chirped at least sixteen times since it's, we started this yeah. podcast. It's singing you the song of its, it's death. No, song. it's singing me. It's it's calling death death oh, rattle God. is what it's doing. Oh, it's about to die. No, seriously, when we're done recording, what I'm doing is I'm going to step as late as it takes, and I'm going to upload everything to the cloud because that thing is on its way out. Um, and Edgar Wright wanted to know what my favorite track for mm-hmm. 2017 has been so far. I told him the song "Other Voices" by LCD Sound System. We can okay. forgive Edgar Wright. Uh, for what was your question? Podcast. <laughs> the, yes. the the positive yes. relationships, the, the, the heartwarming many... relationships. Which one? Which one really got to you, or which one did you think was the uh, the star? <sighs> what, what was the moment oh that made God. you feel? Oh my God! I don't know. Okay, let me go. Hold on. Let me. That made me feel weepy. Um, probably the Mike and Eleven. Oh, really? Meeting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a sucker for people being kept apart. Mm. I, uh, my wife and I, we've been together. It'll be five years this coming New Year's. We've been living together since March. I had, uh, I had moved to Canada and getting my immigration. Blah 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 blah. Anyway. Um, we've maintained our relationship over the past four years via internet. I mean, there would be times where we wouldn't see each other for a month and a half, two months, whatever. And it's torture. It was absolute torture to, to be apart. So that, that wanting and that moment where Eleven shows up at the snowball and they're dancing together and they share their first kiss and all of these things to me that was a very satisfying earned moment like as 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 much as i might have like little quibbles about the 11 character and how interested i am in her and whatnot one thing for me that is undeniable about them is the connection that she and mike share with one another the constant trying to reach out to one another through the walkie-talkie her going into the upside down or kind of that in-between limbo space Mm -hmm. to talk with him 
And he says, you know, I've been trying to contact you. And she says, you know, for 357 days. He's like, yeah. She's like, I heard every word. I was like, oh, my (laughs) God. You guys are like 11 years old and you're fucking killing Mm -hmm. me right now. That, mo- that moment you know. in the house was so much more for me than the dance. The, the, the two of them mm-hmm. staring at each other across the room. Yeah, well, that that too. Like that, that she she comes in looking like Charlie from the Long Kiss Goodnight, <laughs> Gina Davis, and uh, she, you know, that that moment was amazing and everything like that. But um, yeah, I just I I think about how emo Mike is for the vast majority of season mm-hmm. two and how he kind of is on the outside he's the leader of the group but is very much on the outside because he's so wrapped up in the events that have been going on from the past year that he doesn't really know how to connect with his friends anymore until things start happening with will and then he kind of finds a purpose again to lead away in you know will's recovery and dealing with all the upside down stuff and the possession and everything that's happening with him he finds a purpose with him and goes with him but he's still waiting like those little fleeting moments where when max falls off of her skateboard because 11 mm-hmm. like mine pulled it out from underneath her feet and he knows like he knows he knows that she was there and he goes out into the hall and she's gone and that that longing that's in his heart at such a young age like to have been in love back then like i remember that like when i was in like you know middle school or whatever and didn't know what the fuck love really was but thought i did (laughs) and that's a powerful thing and i feel like no matter where 11 goes even if she was to meet someone else from the the hospital or whatever from the ward that has powers i don't think (laughs) that she would connect with them even though they might share that time of their lives i don't think she would connect with them the way that she does with mike and i think the way that he kind of nurtures her and just wants to be her it it always strikes me as friend first relationship second with him and there's no like weird dude hormones in it for him you know he's genuinely concerned about her safety and her her mental state and all these things that somebody that really cares about Mm -hmm. somebody genuinely cares about and and puts first Yo, I'm going to throw something really cheesy at you, though. Uh, this whole time when uh, Eleven's all looking for her home, I think we can all agree her home is Mike. Oh. <laughs> Just end the podcast right now. <laughs> I, I love the moment when Mike is like, he, you know, he gets his, his, he, he gets his moment with her, and then he goes in the other, and then he starts freaking out when he realizes that she's yeah. been there the whole time and that Hopper's been hiding her. And he kind of has to have mm-hmm. that like moment of release yeah. where hot with Hopper with like all of his fears and frustrations kind of come out and he ends up just sobbing in his arms, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I just love that moment. Mm-hmm. Like, oh God, Mike needed that so bad. Like he just needed to like let go of some baggage and Hopper yeah, he seems like it. a good guy to cry on, you know? <laughs> he's he's yeah. just a big teddy bear. <laughs> I'm so excited oh to see him as Hellboy when the, when that movie comes out. He's getting pumped. He's getting jacked. He looks awesome. So good. I hope to go on the set visit for that. That would be so good. Don't brag. Anyway. I'm so, I can't look. I work in film. I, I, I deal directly with a lot of this stuff. And it's it's hard because sometimes I know things that I'm not allowed to talk about because I'm embargoed about them. I've, I've done very well tonight <laughs> to not talk about some stuff. 
I think yeah I, I I would say Mike and Eleven for me as far as the relationship stuff goes there's a lot of great relationships in that show but that that's the the most earned uh crowning achievement of relationships I think there's so. a uh, we've got a question here about effects and I'm gonna guess that was from Jackie yep yep <laughs> um I actually didn't realize that there were only practical effects used for season one for the monsters so I didn't yes yeah so I didn't think about mm-hmm. the difference of the CGI for the demon dogs I didn't notice so I guess that means I noticed. They did as well. yep. I guess, but I was looking at those demo dogs like, mm-hmm. oh my god, they're way too shiny. What the hell? Oh my god. Yeah, that gloss that uh, CGI characters tend to have. Yeah. Huh. It's funny. The first movie not to do that was the original Hellboy. Guillermo del Toro mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was the first the first uh, VFX movie not to use that kind of sheen that they have. Huh. I didn't even notice. Typically. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird. There was kind of like a like a VFX glow about characters. You could see it in movies like The Mimic and um, The Relic and other things like that. And then when Hellboy came out, particularly in the um, the scene where like the giant demons are trashing uh, the city streets and cars are getting flown and mm-hmm. stuff like that, it's really highlighted in that 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 kind of glow about them. It's almost like a like a like a semi invisible seam around cgi characters um it was it was removed for that they were hesitant to do that at first and then that was the first movie to try it and then then every movie after that followed suit stranger things used a lot of uh cgi effects they used a lot of um motion capture technology the kids in particular worked with a lot of animatronics and puppets and uh a lot of um like uh like dot matrix Mm -hmm. kind of um Oh, I can't remember the like overlay stuff where if you want to think about Dustin, how he had the had to handle the polywog so many times yeah. that he actually walked around set with um, plot dots on his yeah. hands, <laughs> kind of like Andy Serkis would when he plays Caesar or any other character, Gollum or whatever that. Um, yeah, like all these different pinpoints and stuff. And then um, the moment where they're tossing the polywog around in the AV room, it was a little silver ball. So they would have something of, you know, a physical nature to, to toss around and make it easier and things and like that. But yeah, mm-hmm. stuff. yeah, acting. Yeah. Acting to like tennis balls sucks. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's I, that stuff was was really I thought was expertly done. And I oh, my God, we didn't even talk about this. I loved the Mind Flayer. The design for the Mind Flayer. Oh my god, it looks so cool. Oh, it's so good. It's so cool. I love that thing. It's very Lovecraftian and like otherworldly. It plays into the whole like, it's from a different dimension. We don't even like understand what its intentions or like what it wants, but Mm -hmm. we just know that it's bad. (laughs) Can we talk Uh, about endgame stuff real quick? Or are are we, do we have any other topics for Stranger Things? Endgame stuff? I want to I want to go around the the table really quick and just get a an idea the end end of the show after after 11 seals the uh the wall so to speak and we find out at the end when they do that whole turnaround thing and they show you after the snowball and they turn around like oh it's still alive <laughs> so so what what did they accomplish really if that thing is still doing what it's doing like they think everything's all good i didn't really understand i kind of took it to mean (laughs) i thought it was just like 11 accidentally opened the gate in the first season and then closed it so there i i thought i think it could have been that that shadow monster is just there all of the time 
Mm. And it will just continue to be there all of the time. Yeah, I think so and like, I think it just, it's, it's just, uh, we might be safe from it now. And there's always the potential yep. that we could open it back up again by accident or like Russia could figure out how to do it and think that they're going to weaponize it or something. Like they kind of hinted at that a little bit. Um, but they might have I think already that done it, that. Yeah. I think that they might have, I think that it was just saying like, we, we still acknowledge that there's this bigger realm outside of ours like where like, now they can choose any monster to come back and now it's through constantly it or like or like a different dimension layer on. So they show that happy ending, and then it's like, wait, don't get right. too happy. That shit's still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of talk, took it as like a reminder. Like everything's great. They did what they needed to do, but if we just spin it upside down, then the other side yeah. still is, exists. You know, like mm-hmm. just remember oh. that this other side is there, <laughs> lurking I just also- below the surface. I thought that when Eleven went off and found her sister, quote unquote, it was almost kind of paralleling that a little bit of like, almost getting into the trope of like the real villain is man kind of thing, where she was very like, kind of dark side, like, fight with your anger and get revenge and all of this like, kind of darkness in how she can use her powers. Um, And so like, there's this dark underbelly of the other kids that were in this program and people with powers who could come forward and create like wreak havoc. Um, so it could even just be like, we don't even need to fight like D and D monsters. We could just bring up these other kids that have powers and like deal with that and kind of be a X-Men yeah. mutiny kind of thing. <laughs> oh, I hope not. I, I don't want it to go that way. I was just but... going to say, <laughs> I, I don't want it to be that. I was going to say, if this was by, if this was being done by M night Shyamalan, this oh is God. where he would start to tie it into the new mutants, mm-hmm. uh, X-Men horror movie. And go, yeah, they're the same universe. <laughs> it's <laughs> all the same. <laughs> Funny enough. The, uh, the kid that plays Jonathan is going to be in the new mutants movie. Oh really? Is when he? That comes out. Yeah. He's in it. He's in it. That movie looks cool. I think it looks cool. Yeah. I think it looks cool too. Yeah. Okay. Doing a lot of things. Go ahead. Uh, so, any uh, ladies, is there anything else that, or Steve, is there anything else that we didn't touch on with Stranger Things that you guys want to hit before we move on to some 80s nostalgia? I have a thing. Love Fest time. What's your thing? My, I have an issue with the female characters in this show. For mm-hmm. one, they, they write really good, strong oh. female characters, but why do all of them look for love? It's, can they not be complete on their own? What the fuck? Mm-hmm. That is like, <laughs> like one of my pet peeves. Like Women aren't constantly looking for a man to complete them. Why, why is that written into every fucking subplot that involves women ever? That's so annoying. Yeah. Eight was kind of the only one who didn't do that. I feel like Eleven was more looking for Mike. Nah, she was looking for Mike. She found him, too. She was looking for Mike. (laughs) Eight was kind of not doing that, but then she turned out to be a bad person, arguably. So that's even, you know, more commentary. (laughs) I think, I mean, I think it's more about connections as opposed to looking for love. I think people Wait, wait, wait. If that's the case, then why was uh, Max ending up with Lucas? She could have been friends with him. Young love. She could have. But I mean, I honestly, like kids that that are of that age that are starting to explore those kind of things and everything, you spend enough time or you go through a situation with somebody and you connect with them in that way. It's it's logical to at least try it to at least to at least see where it goes. I mean, they're they're in 
middle school, that's about the time where you start to explore sure, relationships and things like that. It's logical for it those situations to pop up here and there, but every single female character, I mean, other than the like really background ones, like her mom and her sister or whatever, uh, Eleven's mom and sister, every single female character has some kind of love triangle or love story going on, and that is distracting and annoying. I think to be fair, most of the men were too. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like the whole group a, of boys, like that was kind of a lot of their what focus about Hopper was like and, and you know, Will getting a girl in Joyce, the group. Well, I mean Hopper of, has a yeah. past relationship with Joyce. He's he's hanging on to her with a string, you know. He's he's just like he's he's trying to really have in fact I always forget that Hopper's not the father figure in that family <laughs> because he's so mm-hmm. like he keeps kind of reinserting mm-hmm. himself in the family. So I I kept thinking to myself, like, is he Will's dad? Is he somebody's dad? Like, why is he working so hard? Well, but he was. He was. He right. had a daughter. He had a daughter. Right. And that's, but I mean, that's the whole. Yeah. But I mean, his like reinserting himself in the Joyce's life and mm-hmm. always trying to kind of like protect them. You know, I, yeah, I feel like the boy is like, I mean, Dustin and Lucas were both kind of fighting over Max. They were both looking for love. You know, I feel like Steve was. Steve was pining and looking for love the entire time. Jonathan was pining and looking for love. I feel like it was kind of like a common I, I, thread. I don't between think all that the Steve was looking for love yeah, the I entire think it was time. Much less about the men he, than the he, women here. I mean, he made he made himself pretty clear once he had figured out the. I thought I thought he actually let Nancy go pretty. Uh, Maybe I'm gentlemanly might not be the right word. Like as much but, as you um, can. As far as, yeah, like as far as being obnoxious about it. And no, he wasn't obnoxious yeah. about it. He was just he no, was he just wasn't. Pining. That's kind of my point. He was pining right. a bit for the lost love, you know, it's yeah, more like he, he was I healing. He, I think he, he came to terms with it. Yeah. You know, the, the line about him being the babysitter, how he kind of he kind of accepted mm-hmm. his role in this. <laughs> I mean, no matter how you slice it, mm-hmm. their lives are interconnected no matter what. Like you don't, they're, they're a very, they're, they're a small group. Nobody else in Hawkins knows about what's really going on. You know, they're, they're privy to very private information. That's why Lucas was so adamant about Max and whether or not she really wanted to know. And she didn't take him seriously until she was in imminent Mm -hmm. danger, just like probably anybody else would. You know, I don't know that I would be like as much as I'd want to believe that there was some weird shit going on. Like, I'd probably have to see the weird shit to be like, oh, okay, this is for real. Let's do this. You know, give me the weapon. Let's go. But like, I would be skeptical up until the moment when it when it was going down. So I don't know. I think I think that people I know people I've been in some pretty extreme situations and the people that I was in those situations with, I'm still very close with them and we still kind of hover around that center point of those moments and i think from a story standpoint from a writer's standpoint that that anchor of the events of the first season will carry them out until this series is is done you know those characters will always look to connect with Mm -hmm. the other because they can't tell anybody else what's happened to them without fear of rejection so that's my two cents. <laughs> <laughs> I think about this stuff way too much. 
I want to talk about Brett Gelman. <laughs> I liked his character a lot as the conspiracy theory guy. Oh, I hated that guy. Really? really? I like I like him. I like him as a comedian. I thought of you yeah, when I saw him. I was like, that's I thought Sierra's going to love this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that he didn't play a huge role. Like, he, I think it, he was there just enough. But I, I just, I like his comedy too. Uh, so I was excited to see him in, in Stranger Things. Oh my God. He was so creepy with Jonathan and Nancy. Yeah. <laughs> he was really skeezy. Like, Hey guys, how was the bed? Super oh. sketch. His outfit was uh, unwelcoming. Some more, yeah, some more mm-hmm. vodka. <laughs> he needed some more pants. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, he was weird, and he like he got rid of them. Like he dumped them mm-hmm. at the end. Just like don't come yeah. back. Psh, slam the door. Okay. I love uh, the look on his face that he has when they first come into his like underground lair, yeah, like, and he looks around for like the whirly birds <laughs> in the sky, and whatever. He has a very uh, mm-hmm. like, like a very Hunter S. Thompson, <laughs> Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas kind of uh, body movements to him. Yeah, so good, so good. Oh, he kind of no. reminds me of a friend of mine that I grew up with. Her father actually. Like the, those things, oh, that, like geez. once you once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's like, oh my god, it's Kevin Fitzsimmons, and he's he's crazy now. It's kind of not the, far the, from the, the truth. The big thing that we were kind of connecting to Stranger anyway. Things and the question that um that Jackie and Sarah and I had when we thought about this episode was why the '80s um, nostalgia trend is kind of not going away. I guess classically nostalgia trends hit about 20 years after the honored era yeah, that they're we going sh- after. We should be firmly in the 90s now, right? Right. Well, in, in, in 2010, I found a Guardian article where they asked whether our trip back to the 80s had finally run its course. And that was in 2010. <laughs> so it's now 2016 and we're still firmly on the 80s Melissa. bandwagon. <laughs> so 2017, sorry. <laughs> We we just secretly wish 2017 hasn't happened. So yeah. I'm so nostalgic <laughs> that I'm going back a year each year. <laughs> so what do you guys think? Are like there's a lot of different kind of arguments about why why this why the 80s nostalgia thing is is so hanging on so tight right now. Do you guys have any theories on that? What do you think is right offhand? Uh, my theory would be that the people who grew up on 80s stuff and you know really kind of had their childhood influenced by all of this 80s stuff are the ones making the content now yeah i think that's like that's like the those, most um easy that's like the age i think that i think mm-hmm. that too and also maybe some of those some of those peoples have had children that are now like in their 20s and were raised by uh-huh. their parents sharing yeah, I that think, with them yeah. you know i think a lot of oh, which makes me feel weird because i was from that era and mm-hmm. my child is only five but I also had a kid really late. So I know a lot of people my age had kids, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. And now their kids are teenagers mm-hmm. and they're sharing their, you know, all parents just want their kids to be them anyway. We just, as mm-hmm. long as you can, you just make your kids doing all the same stuff that you like. So yeah. You live your childhood <laughs> through them. I think it's a combination between it being made mm-hmm. by children of the 80s and also consumed by uh, children of the 80s, whether it be with their kids or not. Um, in one way or another, I think everybody is kind of nostalgic or, you know, kind of pining for the heyday of when they grew up and when things were a little bit more pure. I mean, not to not to get too wrecked on anything, yeah. but I mean, we're living in a very just a shit of a time. And, uh, you know, any, you know, any any form of escapism mm-hmm. 
is is welcomed these days, however fleeting it might be. And to to call upon when, you know, the days where like the Ghostbusters were busting ghosts and, you know, a crackly TV screen would remind you of poltergeists and things like that, where nightmares were surrounded by Freddy Krueger and lakes were being stalked by, you know, or camps were being stalked by Jason and stuff like that. It evokes a, a very special time, whether it be through family or through personal experience. I mean, as much as I've kind of gotten away from horror over the past like decade or so, I grew up in it real thick. Like my my mom and my dad, my dad especially. I mean, my first movie mm-hmm. ever was A Nightmare on Elm Street when I was three years old. And like every day, The Shining, all these all these movies that other kids were not allowed to watch, I was allowed to watch them. Even my sister wasn't allowed to watch certain things, but I was. Uh, And my dad was a huge, huge horror movie buff. And we actually had a couple of friends that owned theaters and worked with effects groups and stuff like that, that he would actually sit me down to kind of walk me through movies. One of our favorite ones Mm -hmm. to watch was John Carpenter's The Thing. And he would just like walk me through all the animatronics and tell me how all the puppets work. And that's how I became obsessed with Jim Henson and the Dark Crystal and, you know, all of those things, legend and, and, and blah, blah, blah. But, um... As far as 80s coming back, I'm just going to say it, and I'm sorry for all you 90s kids, and, and for all intents and purposes, like, I kind of am a 90s kid. I grew up in, I mean, I was born in 81, but you only start remembering so far into your life. The 90s aren't as iconic Whoa. as the 80s. Step They're not. off. They're not. Whoa. They're just not. All right? Like, <laughs> you can rattle off. <laughs> You can rattle uh, off kinda, a bunch of stuff if you want. You can have your Power Rangers and your Rocco's Modern them, Life. I lived through the 80s and the 90s. So. <laughs> There's if you stacked them side by side, and I used to think I used to think the opposite. I used to think my sister was crazy for all the stuff that she was involved with that she made me suffer through. But it's true as far as like iconography and things like that and style. There was so much more style. The music was mm. was. I don't know if eh, I wouldn't say the music was to better. Say it was a good style. Yeah, it was just style. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I I just I think that it's easier mm-hmm. to replicate. It's easier to call upon to make something from the '80s as opposed to the '90s. The '90s, all I can think about from '90s is like the the birth of the the grunge era and and all the the Nirvana and Sonic Youth and all of that going around. Everything else kind of fades away. From from yeah. memory for the nineties. It's true. So I mean that's, that's just me. That's true for me too. I, I you know that's true for I me. I disagree, too. but I don't I don't really want to get into it that's all true. that much because this conversation is <laughs> gonna last another three hours if we do. <laughs> I mean, I don't you know, I'm getting ready to go away for a weekend trip um in a couple days mm-hmm. with for work for an educational thing, and we're supposed to go to this big party like some kind of dance party thing that's got a theme every year and i was informed by my bosses that the theme this year is the 90s and i just found myself sitting there thinking like what the hell does that mean i have no idea like what i would wear watch some episodes of sabrina the teenage witch throw in some buffy and some fresh prints and you got yourself covered but i don't like any of those things and i did like them in the 90s to be honest well i didn't that's your problem and i'm like the only thing i remember from the (laughs) 90s was was like my grunge time you know like primus and things like that like that's what i remember from the 90s i don't remember 
I don't remember any of the like pop stuff. I did have a strong Madonna moment, but I think that was more late 80s than 90s. See, I don't really like the 80s. There's a lot that I don't uh-huh. like about the 80s. I hate watching old 80s films. Most of 80s films, I, I don't like rewatching them, to be perfectly honest. I don't. And, like, they get real like misogynistic yeah. real fast. <laughs> yeah, they do. Things like Stranger <laughs> Things, like the nostalgia aspect of it, like it does nothing for me. Like I feel nothing <laughs> there, but... Like, I, I still am sucked into it because it's a legitimately good story and an amazing cast. <laughs> yeah. Jackie's just being. I just, I just don't. I just, I would be very curious. I know we can't have the conversation now, but I would be very curious to have the 90s versus 80s conversation. <laughs> I really would. Oh, man. <laughs> well, Sierra is more of a child of the 90s than any of us, I think, because you, Sierra, when, well, maybe. I was born in 1994, so I don't really have a horse in it. Yeah, but see, that's the thing. If you were born in 94, then you don't really start to, like, associate yourself with things and stuff and pop culture until later. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, that's her point, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, to be fair, my my parents did. They were definitely, like, super into Mm -hmm. 80s pop culture, so they, like, curated kind of what I was exposed to. And we were also, like, not rich and like never had any kind of cable or anything so i was always like a generation Mm -hmm. behind a little bit uh because i wasn't just like up on the pop music and all that kind of stuff but i don't know i think that i see both sides i see that there's there's a lot in the 90s for sure especially in like animation and cartoons and stuff Mm -hmm. yeah and like as a big comedy fan after like the 80s like stand-up comedy club scene like kind of burst seeing like things like um mr show and that kind of stuff come like create a new voice of comedy is like i think that's where the 90s shine a little more and it turned into a quite a golden age of a sitcom era there too Mm -hmm. from that Um, club scene but yeah i think the 80s horror is definitely a little more iconic and then we get into like the 2000s of like found footage and like that kind of stuff i yeah i don't know what the 90s horror trend would so much be yeah the 90s horror trend kind of just fell out there that I, that i will mm-hmm. absolutely concede you ever on. see the legend of leslie vernon anyone yeah. nope <laughs> oh, really oh my god you guys gotta see that there he goes being over enthusiastic oh, so about good. something you that like... will disappoint us later <laughs> no do you even know what it, do you even know what it's about it's nope. about it's about a, it's a it's a an interview group that goes and follows a slasher killer that in the in the world that it takes place in people like freddy krueger and jason Voorhees, they're act they're real people oh shit so like they have freddy krueger <laughs> over for dinner like they have like 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 bridge nights with with uh jason and stuff like that and the um the the crew goes and and follows a slasher as he's actually planning like his big night like he's like explaining all of the traps and how he gets from one place to another so quickly and all these things and then the whole movie gets flipped on its head halfway through it's really 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 good um i can't the legend of leslie vernon or the mask the mask of leslie vernon something like that something leslie vernon Go check it out. It's it's another one of those movies that's surprisingly pretty damn good. So cool. there's another recommendation. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds super good. I think also yeah, I think... I'm gonna look it up. To circle back around to why maybe eighties nostalgia is like hanging on so much. I think that with um 
Hulu and Netflix and streaming services creating their own content, they've realized that it's super easy to like redo an old TV show because they're going to have an audience for it. So like mm-hmm. we get Fuller yeah. House and they know that they can make another season of Full House oh. and everyone's going to watch it. Um, right. So like they can uh. kind of pull back from the like the source material and not even like we were saying earlier, making homages to it, but just like do more of it. Um, mm-hmm. And then it's I mean, the it internet does, in general, right? Gives us more mm-hmm. room to explore that. Yeah, and then it bridges the gap between like an adult sharing it with their kids and then making their kids into it. So I think it's just like maybe the first time where we're having the technology to circle back to a nostalgic time to like even build more of it um, rather than mm-hmm. just like letting it pass and influence more and like influence what comes next. Hmm. I remember watching this video, one of those like montage videos, you know, this is the best of blah, 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 mm-hmm. the top five, blah, blah, blah. And it was these two guys sitting in a room surrounded by shelves that were covered in like 80s and 90s era toys mm-hmm. and nostalgia while they ranted and raved about how much they hated remakes. <laughs> And like I wish, and they oh. wish people would stop making remakes. It's like you assholes! Like <laughs> they're making remakes because you exist. For yeah, you, and you can't give you up on your childhood this. because you're surrounded by it. Like turn around and look at your damn wall. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it was frustrating. It was like both of us were sitting here like yelling at the screen, like dudes, what the fuck? <laughs> you built your whole show on nostalgia, and you're raving about how much you hate seeing things remade. <laughs> um, behind the mask, the rise of Leslie okay, Vernon. Cool. That's what that movie. Write it down. Okay, we'll look that up. Check it. Check it out. I have a bunch of friends that loved it, and then I had one friend that absolutely hated it and cursed my name ah. for making him watch it. <laughs> so <laughs> the fifty-fifty those your, shot. Those are your two choices: door one or door two. <laughs> Jackie, you go ahead and ask Yo. your question about the cell phones because I know that's you. Okay, so do y'all think 80s nostalgia is really big now specifically because there are no cell phones so that there are are more plot lines that worked then that wouldn't work now? And I am saying that, yes, with the insinuation that it is fucking lazy. It's -hmm. it's just as lazy as like, oh no, there's no reception. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There's no cell phones, so it's easier for like things to fall apart and people can't find each other. Like, it's fun to make. I don't know. I don't know if I'm following the thread of. Of the the complaint it's easier to make movies horror movies especially based in a time when there's no way to reach people or warn people or find people there's yeah, no but those phones. things weren't even invented back then so exactly. it's not a that's, matter that's of it being point. easier mm-hmm. it's a matter of it not even being available no 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 the point the point what, is that's exactly yeah, the point is that it's easier point. to make the movie because those things don't exist that it's easier to make so they content. said it in the yeah. 80s and in an era where those don't exist so that they don't have to write around yeah. cell phones yeah. existing. It was a lot harder uh, to, to right. warn your friends. Oh, sure. Yeah, I know. I just I, I just don't know if it's easier. But it's just my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm I, just what? You asked me. I'm, I'm responding. I'm just saying. I don't know. I don't know from a writing standpoint. I mean, maybe it's easier. I don't know. I just don't know if that would be the word I would use to describe it. I don't know. We can move on from it. It's no big deal. <laughs> okay. I think at the end of the show, we're going to put Steve and Jackie in a, <laughs> in a cage match. And they can argue <laughs> about the 80s and the 90s. And which one is better. 
Sure. <laughs> okay. I want to talk some Rocco's Modern Life and Ren and Stimpy. Oh, yeah. I'm totally there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, and we'll just run down really quickly. I think that's a, I mean, pretty much everything that we had about, you know, the 80s nostalgia thing, we've kind of covered that it, it's it's a combination of, you know, we're all living in a time when we are finding comfort in nostalgia. Uh, the people who grew up in that era are now the people running the companies and making the material and writing the stuff. And they're all raising kids who are now teenagers who are enjoying the stuff and eating it up because their parents told them that all these things were cool. And all of that kind of stuff, I think, covers it pretty well. I think it run down just a quick, fun kind of list. Mm -hmm. I like this list that maybe Sierra did for us because she does good lists about some 80s nostalgia horror sci-fi stuff that's popular right now, like Ready mm -hmm. Player One. I'm super excited about that movie. Right. New Ghostbusters, Super 8. Oh, God, Super 8 was so good. That was so fun. That was. That was good. Um, it, House of the Devil, Atomic Blonde, Blade Runner, new Blade Runner that just came out, mm -hmm. The Final Girls, oh, uh, and even like movies. I'd say um, even like something like Cabin in the yeah, Woods. Yeah, the new Blade Runner was is really kind good. of playing into this nostalgia because we all have these established rules from like '80s slashers movies. Oh, that was very mm -hmm. much an yeah, homage. I can see to that. The, yeah, the '80s formula. Steve, thank you so much for joining us tonight and hanging out. Thank you out very much for having me and talking stuff with us, Stranger mm -hmm. Things and all that. And I'll talk to you more tomorrow night. <laughs> oh God, really? So much me this week. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna be there? You gonna show up? I am. I am. We're going to we're going to talk uh we're going to talk Thor tomorrow night. Woohoo. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> Can't wait for all the emails and hate tweets I'll get for that. <laughs> so the time. Sirens of Scream is a member of the MegaNerd Media family. Visit meganerdmedia.com for geek related columns, reviews, interviews and videos. If you've been enjoying our happy little horror show, please remember to leave us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher wherever you're listening to us. This helps us a lot in growing our audience so we can keep making cool things. We also love being guests on other podcasts. If you have a cast you'd like us to sit in on or suggest for us, let us know. We promise we'll behave. <laughs> you can Somewhat. Somewhat. Okay, we don't promise. <laughs> Take backsies. You can reach us via email at sos at meganermedia.com on Twitter and Tumblr at Sirens of Scream. You can find all of our episodes, show notes, recommendations, and more at sirensofscream.com. Mr. Steve Say, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, if you want to find me, I'm on Instagram and Twitter uh, at dead underscore anchorus. Hey, hey, Steve, real quick. Yeah. Uh, during Christmas time, do you make horror puns with your last name, say, like, slay? Like I just did um, <laughs> for the Halloween month on Twitter. It was... Uh, Skeeve R. Slay. Nice. So, nice. With the R. So like, R. Like a zombie. Steve yeah. The, the, it doesn't, my name doesn't really lend to such great ones, but the Slay is a nice touch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jackie, where can people find you online? I am Jackie the Robot on Twitter and Instagram. And Sierra? I'm at Sierra Houck, H O U K, on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me at Lissa Punch on Twitter and Instagram. And you can also find me on the Talking Comics podcast.